There's a phrase called dialed in. I think everybody knows what it means. But I, I tend to associate it with hunting, and I, I have no clue if it's, that's its roots or not. I just know that um, this time of year, most guys dust off their hunting rifles if, if they accumulated dust. And uh, there's a thing on a scope where you can turn dials to hone in. And you sight in your gun and you, you turn a knob and it'll go right or left and another one will go up and down. And, and dialing in your scope means that you're getting it to, to sight in just exactly where you want it to be. And then all you have to do is avoid operator error and that bullet will go where you want. Um, in our lives, there are numerous things that tend to distract us and move us away from, so to speak, being dialed in. But I kind of want to go back through some of the scriptures that talk of the focus of life and the purposes that we have, because it's easy to get caught up in or even distracted by, by things like relationships, where oh, I wish I could just get this straightened out, and I wish we would, and, and, and spend all your energy about what have, should have, could have, and, and never really focus on what's beyond that. And, and a lot of times, uh, finances can be a similar thing where it's like trying to figure out every penny and every, every purchase and every you know, payment and and it's and suddenly you realize that all I'm doing is I'm consumed by this in this moment. Um, I've shared this with some, but a, a few weeks ago, Rob and I were out on a walk, um, and I, I realized in our conversation I had been worrying for about three weeks. I just was agitated. And, and there were probably five or six areas that I was con concerned about. But the truth was, bottom line, it was worry. And as soon as I realized, it was like the Lord just lifted that off of me and it was gone. And I haven't been caught up in it the same way since. But it was one of those moments I realized I have had my eyes off of my target, so to speak. And I haven't been dialed in. And so I've been chewing on that for a couple weeks, and that, I guess, is probably the genesis of why this came about. But let's start with Ephesians. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. says, By grace you are saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. It is not from works so that no one can boast. And in this passage, he's saying that your salvation in, in the Lord has to do with the work of Jesus Christ and his payment for your sin or his investment in you. It's not you being able to do enough to just make him happy. And it's not as if you, you know, are, are so good that he's going to say, oh, I've got to have you with me. But rather he's saying it's his grace and his favor that's allowed this relationship to develop. But then here's, the, in the next verse, is something that I find very challenging because it does say that you were, you were developed and created for works in Him. So even though your works aren't going to save you, 
there is a purpose in his design that would have you doing things. And so right from the very beginning of time, there was a plan to have you investing within his kingdom and having you carry out the works of God. And so even though we're saying saved by grace, it's not saved to just be selfish and do whatever I choose. That's not, that's not where he takes this. His very next statement, it says, the design of your life and the purpose of your existence has a lot to do with being carrying out things that he's laid, put in place for you to accomplish. And so when we come to the Lord and we accept his salvation, we are also stepping into uh, the sense that he has things for me to do. And that as I allow him to speak into my life, those things are going to take place. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And this has to do with adapting to his purposes. For Paul has been wrestling through some of the issues of the New Testament church. And, you know, they, there were people coming from vastly different cultures. And they had ways of doing things. And they would try to pull that culture into their religious life and just say, real Christians act like this. And Paul's going, it's bigger than that. And so he's saying, when I'm with, with the Jewish people who have the Old Testament law, he says, I live that law with them. I'm not bound by it. I'm free in Christ. But I don't feel that I'm obligated to... to uh, exists this way, but I do it so that we can attain a, a, a relationship and we can speak about the real issues, so to speak. Then he goes on to the things of working with the Gentiles, and he says, those who are free from that kind of law, he says, when I'm with them, I live that way. This isn't a declaration of hypocrisy, but this is a declaration of an, a more important principle that says, I'm doing things that I don't feel completely obligated to so that I might have relationship and, and walk this through with others. And, and so he says, even though I'm free, and he says, not really free because I'm under the law of Christ. In other words, Christ is, is calling me to certain things. But he says, I, I live this way when I'm with this group so that, that I can have a voice in their lives. You ever gone to another country and they're dressed completely different and you have that kind of struggle of, should I adapt or shouldn't I? Is this important or not? And then they go to eat something and you're going, okay, should I eat this or not? I don't really want to, but I think I will. And, and, and it goes on and on. That even exists within our own country. And it exists even within age groups if you're aware of it. And what, in a sense, the application of this text would be, it's not really all that important how you dress, what you eat. Now, you know, all this goes on. But there are times when it's really valuable to participate with others so you can have a voice that goes beyond this. And so even he, later in this passage, he goes, to the weak, I, I, I live as one weak. In other words, if people's conscience are bothering them about things that that um, mine isn't bothered by, he says, I go ahead and live with them and do what they do so that I can have a voice to speak into these things. 
there are an awful lot of church fights that happen over how to behave. And I think Paul would say, those really aren't the main issues. Those aren't even the big deals. And yet, he would have us be compassionate with each other so that the true issues of life can be challenged and confronted and, you know, dealt with. He says, I do all these things because of the gospel so that I can be a participant in it. Then he gives an illustration. He says, do you not know that all runners in a stadium compete, but only one receives the prize? So run, run to win. In other words, he's got his eyes set on a goal, and he's saying that's what's important. It's not getting caught up in all the distractions. But he says, hone in. In other words, dial in and acknowledge what's important in life. Chase that. And then let the other things settle out. And, and so when, when he's looking at the runners and he's going, you have to be focused if you're going to win this race. And he's saying the same thing about our lives in Christ. And then he takes the illustration. He says, I don't punch the air and I don't, uh, you know, he says, I, I subdue my body and make it my slave so that after preaching to others, I will not be disqualified. He says, I'm participating in this thing and I'm honed in, dialed in so that uh, I myself won't lose it. Let's go to, uh, to Matthew. And this has to do with uh, carrying out the works of God. And Jesus gives an illustration in Matthew 24 where he says, The Son of Man will come in glory with all the angels. And at that time, he's going to separate people. And he's going to evaluate their lives. And, and so there's a judgment that is taking place. And he's sorting things out. And he talks to one group of people and he says, you know, you were, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I needed clothes, you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you came and visited me. And he says, folks are going to say, uh, we don't remember any of that. You know, when, when did we do these things? And he says, well, what you did for the least of these, you did for me. What you did for these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And so he's sorting it out, and he's saying, you were carrying out the works of the kingdom, and it must, you know, what we look at now says, in this illustration, it, it means that it must have been so much a part of your life that there wasn't necessarily a true awareness in the moment that, oh, I'm serving God by helping this person. But rather, it's, I've incorporated this into my life, and this is what I'm doing. That said, it, it brings to mind a couple things. The will of God, living down through our lives, is very doable. It, it's very accessible for us. Sometimes we get it in our heads, if God would only speak to me, and, I, and then I could go do this, and it... And, I think a parable like this is saying it's much simpler than sometimes what we make it. You know, we're, we're praying and praying, if you'd give me this unique insight, 
and it would be world-changing for this person and maybe what they need in the moment is just some practical assistance and so you know he is laying out and saying you can accomplish the will of God you can do what Christ asks of you and if you're faithful that way he says there is a reward at the end and he, he, he invites them to participate with him he says I tell you the truth just as you did for one of these least of these brothers or sisters of mine you did it for me it's um i wanted to go back and read a verse that i missed but it says the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world this is important enough that if you get it right there is opportunity to participate in something that's been, been planned from the beginning of time. This is significant enough. You know, when we think of God creating everything, we say, how amazing is this creation that we see? He says there's more to be discovered. He says there is more beyond this. The, the eternal life that he has prepared has been planned from the beginning of time. So it is essential that we dial in on the truly important and we look at this and say whatever I do in life has got to be oriented with that in mind so we keep it our pursuit that way in Philippians chapter 3 Paul's discussing some of these things and, he's, and he makes this declaration he says not that I have already attained this that is, I'm not, I've not been perfected, but I strive to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. So he says there's an ongoing work here. And even the great apostle Paul is saying, yeah, I haven't fully figured all this out. I, I'm working on this, but I, you know, I haven't put it all together. And, and that gives me hope, one. But secondly, it also says that in my life there's an ongoing process of discovering what the kingdom of God is about and applying myself to that as I go through life he says I don't consider myself to attain this instead I am single-minded forgetting the past or the things that are behind me you know I'm not I'm not all the time replaying these things he says but I reach out for the things that are ahead with this goal in mind, I strive to the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He says, our citizenship is in heaven. And we also eagerly await a Savior there, the Christ Jesus the Lord, who will transform these humble bodies of ours into the likeness of his glorious body. When you think of the person of Jesus Christ now, ascended into heaven, does he glow? <laughs> in my impression, there's there's something completely different going on right I mean it, don't most of us when we think of the ascended Christ into heaven it's not Jesus in dirty clothes you know it's it's something amazing that goes beyond anything that we've experienced in this life and yet Paul's declaration is that there is a transformation that's going to take place in this physical body becoming eternal that in a sense looks like the person of Jesus currently 
That's something to be happy about. Some are going, if you knew my body, that's something really to be happy about. Well, it's just, you know, that's wondrous. We're all aware of the physical limitations of our, of our bodies and what goes on in this life and just going, oh, I wish this was a little different or I wish it, that'll all be done. And we have this wondrous opportunity to look forward to a body that becomes like Christ. And, and that's part of what's been planned from the beginning of time. And so it's very important that we look at that and say, okay, these are the things that are important now. And it's with that in mind that I live my life and I do the things that I do. Otherwise, we become entirely selfish and self-absorbed. And we're worrying about keeping this body happy. We're worried about our environment and, and making sure everything's as comfy as possible. And we get caught up and even our friendships are all about serving us. And yet in Christ, we're, we're, we're called to look out. And we're called to look bigger in that. We're called to be loving to those around us. We're called to think of the eternal as more important than the physical. That's why a writer like this with Paul where he's different times he's sitting in jail has been beaten and he's and it has no effect on the hope that he has he's going I have something ahead that's so much better than what's here that this is minimal in comparison and we ask God to work that same kind of attitude within us at the end of Paul's life he writes 2 Timothy, and he makes this statement. He says, I've competed well, and I've finished the race. You know, he's, he takes this illustration again, and he says, I've lived my life right. You know, it's interesting. The first part of his life, he was living with incredible zeal, but it was misguided. Enough so that he was putting Christians to death. And so... God had even helped him forget that past and look toward what was ahead. And he's, he's looking and he's saying, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith, and finally the crown of righteousness is reserved for me. He says, I'm ready to attain what's been promised in the Lord. I'm going to finish with one last passage. This is out of the book of Revelation. It's right at the end of time. And it's talking about, again, the Son of Man in His glory. And um, it says, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And the one who hears say, Come. In other words, there's an open door of availability to all who would take this. In other words, we say, Okay, I can believe in the eternal life. I can believe that it's a good future. But... Would God really let me in? You know, would he really open the door for me to participate? And the declaration is made. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wants it take of the water of life free of charge. In other words, the gate is open. The door is, is, is made available. 
All you have to do is step in. Be willing to embrace what he has. So I look at that and I'm going, yeah, there's lots going on right now, but there's been lots going on from the beginning of time. You know, new disease, same old wrinkle, right? I mean, yeah, you might die. People have been dying for centuries. Uh, hopefully not, but I mean, it, it, that's, that's life. Well, yeah, the, well, there's a lot of uh, civil unrest in our country right now. Well, there's been a lot of civil unrest for the ages. And a lot of countries have done a whole lot worse. I mean, who knows? Maybe it all falls apart. Does it truly matter in light of the kingdom of God? Not as much as we think. Do we want it to happen? Absolutely not. <laughs> I want this country to do well, because that means my life does well, too. You know, I, I definitely would like to see everything smooth and happy and everybody making lots of money and just living great. Yeah, that's, that's a nice wish, but it's, it's not essential in regard to eternity. You know, and, and we just walk through these things and, and we're going, yeah, but there's, there's a lot of tension between people right now. And, and name a time when there hasn't been. And, and name a time when groups haven't been in opposition. That's, that's the story of humanity. And yet it isn't as important as what lay ahead. And it is, even in its best in this world, it has nothing in comparison to what's in store. And so with that in mind, we say, I need to be dialed in. I need to treat as important the thing that God sees as important. And when I get, you know, when I see this thing that I really want and it's, I can't quite afford it right now, I need to just say, yeah, but... <laughs> There is so much more in store that I can be patient or I can just set it aside and say it's not for me. And when I look around relationally and I'm going, I sure would like to be friends with this, or, you know, before you're married, it's like, I sure would like to really be friends with this person. And, and yet, in light of eternity, even that is not as important. And then you can take it to spheres outward. So I encourage you, take a look. Settle it in your heart. This is what I'm chasing. And then to begin to sort through the issues of life and say, I need to be compassionate. I need to be loving rather than selfish. I need to be trusting in the Lord's goodness and provision rather than just depending on my finance. I need to be willing to trust him with my health and say, whether I live or die, it's not as important as that I be with him. It brings a peace that you can't sustain any other way. And yet, even that is just a pinpoint of what's going to happen in full vision later on. Lord, we thank you for this scripture and we thank you for these passages that challenge us to dial in and take on as important what you considered important. And I pray for each one here, 
Each of us has different struggles. Each of us has different things that we look at and wonder, how is this going to work out? And yet your faithfulness and your unshakability is something that we can grab onto and trust. And we thank you for that. Amen.